hello, hello. Welcome back to Bang Bang Cults. Um, we just totally recorded like the first ten minutes of this episode. So we're gonna without do it recording. Again. <laughs> Try we to just... make the jokes again. Hope they stick the second time. If we even remember them, not so much. So yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So what were we doing? Okay, oh, for Halloween for, for Halloween. Spectacular. Spooktober. 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 Uh, <laughs> we decided to do something a little different, and we wanted to do American horror story themed. Yeah things yeah so so we're going to cover um yeah the different themes from because there's like seven of them yeah there's like seven and what i didn't know was that each season is actually based off of true things yeah very very interesting so you know the the writers had a lot of fun like going down some rabbit holes of the world of exactly i think that that would have been a lot of fun i know because we went down some rabbit holes, so I'm sure. Yes, it'd be exactly. really fun. To be like, this is my job. Like, let me go down. <laughs> I think Heather's doing a much better job at remembering what we talked about the first time we started. <laughs> like, what happened? I'm like, wait, what happened? Which is sad because this is literally ten minutes ago. It really was, and I'm like, it just out my brain. Yeah. Okay, so let's get so, started. Okay. Well, we flipped the coin. I'll make the noise just to, and it it's heads. It's heads. <laughs> So I guess Heather didn't want to re-flip it in case she had to go. <laughs> no, I already keep... started my story. So, yes. you know, let me just start where I left off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll start from the beginning. Okay. So for those of you who have watched American Horror Story, or I guess those of you who haven't, um, there's a season called Hotel. And it's actually inspired by Hotel Cecil, better known as the Cecil Hotel or the Cecil. And it is located in L.A., so it's one of the reasons I chose it, but also, you know, because it was inspired by this hotel. So it's pretty cool. Uh, it's a really kind of weird hotel. I've walked by it a few times. We discussed earlier. Heather has not yet, so we're going to go. It's going to be our next venture. Yeah. Um, so let's jump into it. The Cecil was built in the mid-1920s by hotelier William Banks Hanner. In downtown Los Angeles, in the Wait, area. What is he called? Hotelier. Hotelier. It's like so. That's fancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a word. I like it. I feel like <laughs> now it's just like. Yeah, I want to be a hotelier. Yeah, now I feel like it's just like construction or like. No, they still use that. Uh, oh. I went to school for event management and the hospitality. Oh, they still use when that. I first oh. started, and yeah, they still use hotelier. Fancy. Yeah, I mean it's. Probably not as we'll use, but I definitely use that term in school a few times, hmm. which Fun is fact. weird. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Uh, our campus, like the property was owned by a hotelier. Oh. It was on the same property as a, as the hotel, one of the hotels he owned. Oh. And I was like, all right, be fancy. Fun fact, the dorm I lived in actually was a hotel and then they converted it into dorms. Ooh, was it haunted? I think I feel like probably, all hotels it, are haunted. Yeah, I, I think this place was old and not good. Not nice, but it's fine. Okay. All right. So <laughs> this dude, hotelier, Hanner, wants to build this fancy hotel in downtown LA in the 1920s. Um, and at the time, there were several hotels in the downtown area that were built in a similar style at, as the Cecil. So he just decided to do what they did because it was working. And 
and it was complete with a marble lobby and stained glass windows. It cost a million dollars to complete, which was a lot of money in the 20s, I feel like. That's a lot of money, yeah. Yeah. Now it's like nothing if you're in LA. It's like, yeah, buy a house. You can't even buy a house with a million dollars here, really. No. Like, not a nice one, yeah. Not really. Um, so the hotel was 700 rooms. I guess it still is. But 700 rooms in the Beaux Arts style, which I think is very similar to Art Deco. If you want to just imagine it in your brain and you don't know what bow art style is, because I don't, but I think it's very similar to that. You can also Google it if you want to picture it a little better. You could Google it. Or you could just Google the Cecil Hotel, and then you'll know exactly yeah. what it looked like. Like the OG pictures. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty similar. They hadn't, they never changed. Oh. Yeah. I don't know now, but I couldn't find any super recent photos. They never changed okay. the, like, lobby area. Oh, yeah. okay, so look at so you, yeah, just, just Google, Google it. It is really pretty. Crazy. So um, Hanner was hoping that the Lux design would attract tourists and businessmen. However, within a few years of opening, the stock market crashed and the United States fell into the Great Depression. And this is when things started to go downhill. The Cecil was able to hold on to its glamorous appeal through the 1940s, but the surrounding neighborhood fell into poverty. The increase of transients and homelessness during the Great Depression started this area's decline into what we now know as Skid Row. And I read during my research that the reason that this area specifically turned into our Skid Row is because it's where all the trains end in the country. Yeah, it's like Union Station. Yeah, it's Union Station. So everyone's going towards the warm. Mm -hmm. No winter. No, Mm -hmm. no. I mean, I think it's winter, but I'm from Florida. It's... Yeah. It gets under 70 here, and I'm like, what the fuck? Right. But, like, Utah, <laughs> when it's, like, minus 12. Yeah. No, no one wants so that. So, everyone just came here, and that is why. So, the hotel followed closely in Skid Row's footsteps, becoming a meeting place and sometimes even a home for junkies, runaways, and criminals. And over the years, the building stayed branded as the Cecil until recently. Uh, However, over the years, it wasn't always just a hotel. They would also use parts of the hotel for long-term residents. You know, bad things are happening there. If it's a meeting place. Yeah, right. A meeting place. (laughs) Yes, quotations. Because you can't see us, but yes, a meeting place. Exactly. Okay, let's dive into the crazy shit that happens at the Cecil. The Cecil! (laughs) The first documented suicide, the first documented any fucking crazy thing that happens at the Cecil, is in 1931. So, not long after they opened, and, well, they opened in mid-1920s, like 25, 27, different reports, but yeah. Four years, five, four years in? Yeah. Wow. I think they started construction in, like, 24 and finally opened in, like, 27. Gotcha. So, yeah. They didn't get very long. That sucks. Yeah, so 1931, a guest named W.K. Norton died in his room after taking poison capsules. Hmm. He had checked into the hotel a week earlier under the names name James Willies. <laughs> right? Willies. Really? Yep. Maybe it's Willis, but it's W-I-L-L-Y-S. Huh. So that's Willies to me. Well, well yeah. I don't know. Okay. So about a year later, a maid found Benjamin 
Dodich, who was 25, dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. He didn't leave a note. And no one heard that? I mean, it's downtown LA. Maybe it was loud. Maybe. Or maybe they did. It's a 700-room hotel, though. True. Maybe. And people are like, eh. And eh. like, when you're in a hotel, you hear a room. Or you hear stuff all the time. You hear a sound. You're like, uh. Yeah. Probably nothing. Hopefully it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so in 1934, former Army Medical Corps uh, Sergeant Louis D. Borden, who was 53, was found dead in his room. He had slashed his throat with a razor. He left several notes, one of which cited his poor health for his reason for suicide. In 1937, Grace E. Margot was the first of many to fall to her death. She fell from a ninth floor window, and her fall was broken by telephone wires, which were wrapped around her body. She later died at the now-demolished Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. Police were unable to determine if her death was an accident or a suicide. Interesting. Yeah, that's not how, like, telephone wires. Ugh. I just, like... Yeah, no, leaves that leaves a mark. In 1938, Marine Fireman Roy Thompson, who was 35, jumped from the Cecil's top floor and was found on the skylight of a neighboring building. He had been staying at the Cecil for several weeks. Yeah, again, no one saw this. Like, I mean, people probably saw the, him jump. Maybe yeah. it's also it's the 30s. I don't know. It's down. Yeah, Skidrow. Maybe, and I it wasn't know. really like not, not at this point then. it wasn't as bad. I think it was starting its decline. I think this is also when the people were very private and just like Yeah. Mind your business. Probably. I don't know. I mean it's a lot of people jumping. It's a lot. Or falling. <laughs> so within the same year, Navy officer Irwin C. Neblet, who was thirty nine, was found dead in his room after ingesting poison. Jeez. Yeah. Was this like buried on or there was like a burial ground underneath the hotel or something right maybe maybe wow it's a lot in 1940 a 45 year old teacher dorothy skyger ingested poison while staying at the cecil and was reported by the los angeles times to be near death but there were no further reports published about her condition so i don't know interesting she might have died she might have lived Either way, she also... One of those she probably did, poison. but her family maybe was like, oh, yeah, she's fine. Yeah, she's yeah. fine. Just, yeah. In 1944, Dorothy Jean Purcell, who was 19, was sharing a room at the Cecil with shoe salesman Ben Levin, who was 38. Purcell, who had apparently been unaware that she was pregnant, went into labor. That's she pretty far along to... Okay. I bet it happens. It does happen. Just not... She was probably just young and, like, didn't... Maybe she didn't realize. Maybe she just thought she was getting fat. Maybe. It's like that show where it's like, I didn't know I was pregnant. And yeah. It's also possible that, like, maybe her parents never, like, taught her. I mean, it's 38. True. Maybe her parents never taught her about, like, all of these things and she just didn't know what was going on. Or maybe she was just keeping it a secret and said she didn't know because... Yeah. Which is probably more likely. Most likely. Um, so she later testified that she didn't want to disrupt a sleeping Levine. So she went to the bathroom where she gave birth to a baby boy. 
Thinking the baby was dead, she threw him out of the window where he landed on the roof of an adjacent building. She was charged with murder. Uh, three psychiatrists, which note evidently then were known as alienists. What? Yeah. <laughs> Don't know. Um, they testified that Purcell was mentally confused at the time of the incident and she was found not guilty by reason of insanity and she went to a mental institute. But that's also like when they thought women were like, you know, not hysterical. Stable. Yeah. Hysterical. But she threw her fucking child yeah, out a window. I, I'm, <laughs> yes, I don't agree with what she did, but I'm also just would like to point out. Yes. No, that is very valid. But I think also throwing your baby out of the window. Don't not, do that. Not so sane. Even if they're dead, like why? I mean, she's like, I don't want to get caught, but like, but no, then I don't know. Yeah, take it to a firehouse. I know. If you're like, don't want to deal with it, then like, put it outside of someone else's door in the hotel. Right. Just don't throw it. It's Check. not like they have security cameras. Yeah, they didn't at this time. Take it to the lobby. Take it to the Leave fire. it in the elevator. If you really, really, really have to. Do, yeah. Put it somewhere where someone's going to see it if this is something you need to do. Exactly. Or just don't be a bad person and take care of, you know. You know. Exactly. Fine. Yeah. Just don't throw babies out of windows. Yeah, no. <sighs> Sad you have to tell people that. Yeah, but not. Okay. In January 1947, Elizabeth Short, a.k.a. the Black Dahlia, Ah, yes. Yes. Was rumored to have been spotted drinking at the Cecil Cecil's bar in the days before her murder. Just a fun fact. We don't really know if it's true or not, but there have been a lot of reports of maybe she was there that day or not. Eh, I know. All those reports. Oh, All those reports. Oh, the Black Dahlia. Yeah, it's a good one if you guys have never really researched it. What's that it. new show? I'm the Night? Oh, I don't know about this. Oh, it's really good. It's, yeah, it's some guy. It's like six episodes, I think. Okay. I recommend. All right. I will check it out. I'm assuming it's related to the Black Dahlia. Yes. <laughs> Ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Related. Yeah. Okay. Um, in November 1947, Robert Smith, who was 35, died after jumping from one of the Cecil's seventh floor windows. Oh, he's 35. It's okay. Yeah. Ow. Uh, by the 1950s, there were 10,000 homeless people within a four-mile radius in the area, and the hotel had gained a reputation as a resident for transients. So, in 1954, San Francisco's stationery firm employee Helen Gurney, who was 55, jumped from the window of her seventh-floor room and landed on top of the Cecil's marquee. Oh... Yeah. One week prior, she had registered at the hotel under the name Margaret Brown. So it's two people from the seventh floor, right? Yeah, two people from the seventh floor. Also, so far, two people with different names than they registered under. So they must have gone knowing they were going to do something. Probably, but it's like each of them were there for a week prior to doing it. Think something fishy going on in this hotel. Yeah. Maybe they went there for something and something happened. Like, they went there being all secretive, like having an affair or something. Oh, yeah. Or Hollywood, maybe. Hollywood things. Drugs, maybe. I mean, if you think about it, they're on Skid Row. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're just trying new crazy drugs. But yeah. a week. It's very specific. It's their spring break. Spring break. That's it. 
They're downtown spring break. That's definitely it. <laughs> Skid Row spring break. In the 1960s, longtime residents began to call the Cecil the suicide. Which, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, makes yeah, a yeah. lot of fucking yeah. sense. <laughs> they should still call it that. I agree with this. Yeah, <laughs> Let's bring it back. Yeah. Ooh. Anytime you go there, just hashtag the suicide. I want to go on a ghost tour here so badly now. I just found one while doing this research. There's a tour bus that does a um a hotel like haunted hotel thing, and they do oh. like the Cecil and. Is this the dead one? No, it's called something else. Okay, I'll have to. We'll add this to our Adventure Time. Our Adventure Time. We're running out of time for Adventure Time. I know. I don't like this. <laughs> okay, so. In 1962, Julia Frances Moore, who was 50, jumped from the window of her eighth floor room and landed in a second story interior light well. Second story interior light well. Okay. Yeah. Um, she didn't leave a suicide note. And among her possessions were a bus ticket from St. Louis. 59 cents in change, and an Illinois bank book showing a balance of $1,800. She had money. Yeah, I don't, like, super weird. Hmm. think she ran away to do, to be, like, an actress at 50. Probably. Or she was running from something, maybe. That could have been a lot of things. Yeah. Could have been. <sighs> also in 1962... Pauline Otten, 27, jumped from the window of her ninth floor room, I think that's the second ninth floor, mm -hmm. after an argument with her estranged husband, Dewey. <laughs> Dewey. What a great name. Uh, Dewey left the room prior to Otten's suicide. Otten landed on a pedestrian, George no. Giannini. G Giannini? G yeah, I think. Who was 65, killing them both instantly. Oh, that's a rough day for that guy. Yeah. Just trying to walk the street. I mean, it was a rough death. <laughs> Someone lands oh, on you. Oh, no. Ugh, it's terrible. Ugh. So, there weren't any witnesses, so police initially thought that Otten and Giannini committed suicide together. However, it was soon determined that Giannini had his hands in his pockets at the time of his death and was still wearing his shoes had he jumped I guess his shoes would have likely fallen off during the fall or upon, upon impact. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Just, what if you're going to jump out of a window? Don't jump on somebody. Yeah. Yeah. It's suicide, not us aside. <laughs> but also I'm don't, just, commit, don't suicide. commit suicide. But yeah. 1 yeah. 800 hotline, et cetera, yes, et cetera. Please get help. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> we love you. Um, in 1964, a retired telephone operator named Pigeon Goldie Osgood, I think we talked about her at some point, because she's also known as the Pigeon Lady of Pershing Square. Yes. 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 We, yes, we did. So she was well known around the area and earned her nickname because she fed birds in Pershing Square, which is like this park, but it's like a cement park. Mm hmm it's like a literal square. It's a literal square of cement that's, but it's not all flat. It has like raised portions. Mm -hmm. It's super weird. It's like, I think supposed to be a park, but they just did it the cheap way. Like cement yeah, way. cement park, essentially. It's where all the protests start. <laughs> yeah. 
They have some pretty cool. I went to like a beer festival there and yeah. a salsa festival. It's a good area. Yeah. It's a pretty good, pretty interesting little square. Yeah. Um. So one day, Pigeon Goldie, um, she was, oh wait, yep, go back. She was also a long-term resident at the hotel. So she lived at the Cecil and she was found dead in her room one day. She had been raped, stabbed, and beaten, and her room had been ransacked. Oh, not the pigeon lady. Yeah, someone fucking murdered the pigeon lady. The pigeons were probably not happy about this. No. Who's going to feed the pigeons? Uh, Near her body was the Los Angeles Dodgers cap she always wore and a paper sack full of bird seed. Yeah. Sad. Hours after her murdy, murdy? Murder, Jock B. Ellinger, who was 29, was seen walking through Pershing Square and in bloodstained clothing. He was arrested and charged with Osgood's murder, but was later cleared of the crime, and her murder remains unsolved. Poor pigeon lady. Poor pigeon lady. She All she wanted to do was feed some pigeons. I wonder if she controls the pigeons now. And like oh, yeah, maybe she has like them poop on people is what she doesn't like. Yes. So she's she's got her. She made her come back. It's okay. Fuck yeah, Pigeon Goldie. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and a retired telephone operator. It's interesting. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So coming into the 70s and 80s in the area, things get worse. Because at the time, L.A. adopted a policy of containment to centralize food, housing, employment, and substance abuse services for the homeless. So people had no reason to leave. So there were more. And then crack became a thing mm-hmm. in the same time period. And the area became worse, more deadly. So at this point, drug dealers worked openly inside the hotel. And bodies of overdosed residents could linger in the hall for days. Oh. Yeah. Like, no one wants to be a maid there because you're like, I don't. Yeah. And no one wants to call the cops because they're all fucking doing drugs and murdering people and tripping. Don't smell it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the police rarely just ventured into this area. They didn't want to be there Mm -hmm. either. Um, and by the 90s, they weren't even patrolling the area. They had to be called in. Yeah. So. Because they just knew. They were like, you know. there's Yeah. There's not shit that they can really do about it. It's out of control. Yeah. And they don't want to because they'll probably get attacked. So, in 1975, a still unidentified woman jumped from her 12th floor window onto the Cecil's second floor roof. We went a while without um, suicide, though. Um, 62. So, yeah. Like 30 years. 62 to 76. Okay. 75. 14 years. That's good. Yeah. For this place, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I know. Like, <laughs> just for this place. <laughs> um, She had registered as Allison Lowell at the hotel on December 16th, but authorities were never able to trace her identity, so she's still technically unidentified. Mm. We don't know if it's a real name or not. Right. Maybe she just, maybe that is, and she just didn't have any family. I don't know. In 1976, Jeffrey Thomas Paley, a 26-year-old former mental patient from 
Oakland, purchased a rifle from a Hollywood gun shop for $63. He then climbed to the roof of the Cecil and fired 15 rounds at the street below. Fortunately, no one was hurt during the shooting. When he was captured, he claimed he didn't intend to shoot anyone. He just wanted to prove a point, just how easy it was for a former mental patient to purchase a gun and become a sniper. No comments on that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I can't. Yeah. I was like, that's timely. Yep. Too Too close to to current life. Okay. So in the 1980s. The hotel was the residence of Richard Ramirez, a.k.a. the Night Stalker. Ramirez killed at least 13 people and raped and tortured at least a dozen more, and he's known for breaking into homes of straight couples, killing the husband, and then the wife was assaulted and stabbed to death. Um, so while staying at the Cecil, he would toss his bloody clothes into the hotel dumpster and then enter the hotel either in his underwear or completely naked. Nice. Which is, like, probably not that weird because yeah. everyone's on drugs. Man. Exactly. Everyone's yeah. on drugs. I mean, even now, walking around, you see someone in their underwear or naked, you're yeah. not even shocked by it. It's just... It's the norm. It's norm. And, I mean, yeah, he's tossing bloody clothes in the dumpster, but there's probably other people's bloody clothes in the yeah. dumpster. Well, people and people doing, like, heroin or, like... Yeah, there's like probably that. all sorts of, like, crazy shit in that dumpster. Yeah. Literally, probably. Probably literal shit. Yes, so... Yeah. It's not that weird, and the cops aren't really coming around, so it's really the perfect place to be a serial killer, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Which brings us to 1991, so we skipped like 10 years. I mean, at this point, the Cecil's not doing too bad. Not as frequently. pulling it together. Yeah. So, in 1991, Johan Unterwecker? Unterwecker? I don't know. He was in Austrian. I put Australian. That's not. He was an Austrian journalist. <laughs> a little <laughs> like different. That's not right. Um, he was working on a story about crime in L.A. and he chose to stay at the Cecil Hotel. Um, he had actually been sentenced to life in prison. Life in prison in Austria in 1974 for murder. Oh, yeah, and he was released in 1990. As a model for rehabilitation. Oh, okay. Yeah. And when he came out, he became like a famous journalist within like a year, evidently, because it's 1991 and he's coming to L.A. Probably because he was like, could relate to murderers and crime yeah. people. Yeah, probably, because he's doing a story about crime in L.A. Right. Um, And obviously he had to be really charismatic to convince them to release him yeah. from his life. For- in prison for good behavior um so he soon begins killing again and during his five-week stay at the cecil he beat and sexually assaulted three women before strangling them to death with their own bras yikes yeah and he had like a signature tie that he did and that's what he used to strangle them with they like to use that tie and after his arrest in Miami in 1984, he killed himself after he was convicted with another life sentence. And when he hung himself, he used that same tie. And that was, like, to them, like, his confession. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the rumor that he cho- is that he chose the Cecil to stay there because of its association with Richard Ramirez. Makes sense. Yeah, it does. All right. We're getting up to present day. 
so in 2011, the hotel was actually rebranded as Stay on Main Hotel and Hostel for $75 a night. Budget hotel for tourists. And then in 2013, we have the death of Eliza Lamb Mm -hmm. um, at the hotel. Now, we talked about this in a previous episode about the elevator game, so I'm not going to get into it. If you want to know what happened to her, or rather what some people think happened to her, go go listen. listen. It's episode five. I looked it up for you and everything, so no excuses. It's a doozy. Do it. Yep. Tying um, it all back. It's super interesting. It is really interesting. It's yeah. It's the whole reason I started. I learned about the season when I first moved to LA. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So check it out. Check it out. Now that wasn't the last death, but okay. In 2014, New York City developers signed a 99-year lease and began renovating it, the Cecil, to include an upscale upscale boutique hotel. And hundreds of fully furnished micro units at fifteen hundred dollars a month. Interesting. Yeah, so they're trying to make it like fancier. Fancy. It's still in Skid Row, mm-hmm. so we'll see how that works out with like a pool on the roof and shit. They are trying to gentrify that area. So they are. I think they're hoping that this will help it. But a ninety-nine year lease, though. We'll see what happens the next ninety-nine years at that yeah, place. Yeah, that's a wow so in 2015 the body of a 28 year old male was found outside the hotel um some conjectured that he may have committed suicide by jumping from the hotel Hmm. but um a spokesperson from the county coroner informed the la times that the los angeles times that the cause of death hadn't been determined and that's all i was able to get so Something shady happened. Something shady happened. Trying to keep it under wraps. Um, there are some hauntings. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing like super specific. Hotel hotel guests just regularly report sightings of dark figures in their rooms, often waking to the tugging of their bed sheets. But perhaps, perhaps, the most famous paranormal phenomenon to occur at the Cecil is a photograph. A photograph taken. By a local resident, which went viral because there's a spectral figure seen hanging outside of a fourth floor window. Ooh. Yeah, I've seen it. Have you seen it, Heather? I don't think I have. It's it's creepy. Okay. I have it. I'll post it. Yeah, let's post that. Um, so that's that. That's the Cecil. I'm, I'm going to go watch American Horror Story Hotel and mm-hmm. see like what all the ties are. Yeah. Um, it said that they also based some of it off of H.H. H. H. Holmes's like murder castle. So, yeah, interesting. We'll have to check it out. All right, it's Heather's turn. All right, I decided to go with the freak show because why not, right? Mm-hmm. Something different. So I'm going to tell you the story of the Lobster Boy. Dun dun dun. dun dun dun. I just want to put him in a pot of boiling water. Oh, well, yeah, you're going to want to. <laughs> <laughs> so, the lobster boy, he went by the name of Grady Styles Jr. He was born in Pittsburgh in June 26, 1937, and he was the sixth child to his parents, Grady F. Styles Sr. and Edna Styles. And he was born with a rare medical condition called, I'm probably not going to say it right, but whatever, X. Ectrodactyly. Oh. 
So basically, he's missing his middle finger, and then his thumb and his pointer finger were fused, and then his pinky and the other finger. Okay, so he's missing his thumb and his middle finger. Uh Uh-huh, and then, so basically he has claws. He just has, yeah. Yeah, he just has claws. He's claws, and it's also on his feet as well. He has four claws. It's very difficult to walk. Yes. So this actually, this condition ran in his family since the 1840s. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's a genetic condition. I wonder what, like, how that happens. Like, what gene, I don't know, you know, Some biology. fucked up. Something happened. Gene. Like, maybe th- maybe we actually do come from lobsters. Oh, yeah, maybe we come from lobsters. Mm. That's it. That's it. That's, <laughs> that's totally it. That's it. the answer. <laughs> uh. So his father actually was already a circus performer. So he just brought Grady into the family business. Oh. Yeah, when he was seven years old. But did his dad have it? Yeah, his dad okay. had it. Well, you said it was genetic. I didn't know. Yeah, so his dad was already performing as with his hand. Lobster. Yeah, so then he man. brought his seven-year-old son in to be like, yeah, look at us. Okay. We're the fam. Lobster fam. And so, of course, he was an instant hit because... I would want to see it, too. Let's be honest. Yeah, let's be real. Let's be real. I mean, now we can just Google it, but back then, right. you go to the freak show. Because you really wanted to see, like, freaky things. Yeah. Now, yeah, the internet, you can see all those too many weird things. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. But since he had both hands and feet, he couldn't, with the claws, he couldn't walk. So he would use a wheelchair. And sometimes, I guess, he would just crawl around. Oh. It was probably part of his performance, obviously. Probably. And so he actually had very, like, he was very strong with his arms because he was crawling so much. Okay. Yeah. So soon, I think, they didn't really give, like, timelines, but I'm hoping a few well, a few years later, not when he was seven, uh, he met a woman named Mary Teresa. Hmm. And she was born of, uh, she was a result of incest, unfortunately. And so she ran away and joined the circus when she was 19. So the two fell in love, of course, and they got married and had several children with two of them having the same condition. Okay. So they, of course, also joined the family and started touring with them. So of course. keeping it in the family, lobster family fam. business. Yep. And that's so they were known as the lobster family. So All just right. envision it. Uh, so unfortunately, Grady soon developed a drinking problem. And he was known to be a very mean drunk. And Do you have to use a straw? I think he could claw it. Like, he's able to hold it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be very weird. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things if you think about it. Like, wiping your butt, trying to eat. Yeah. Hair, like trying to... Trying to do anything with your hair. I think you just shave it, shave it. You can't pick your nose, really. I mean, there's, yeah, yeah. You can That's what Heather's <laughs> really worried about: how she would pick her nose if she had a claw. There's a lot of things you wouldn't be able to do. Yeah, it's weird. So, of course, I'd probably be angry too if that was me. Yeah, probably. So one night he got very, very drunk and very, very angry, and he threw his wife to the floor and ripped out her IUD with his claw. Wait, what year is this? Bitch had an IUD. Yeah. So he was born in the 37, so I think, say it's 2057, 60s. I didn't know they had IUDs then. I think that's like the newer, maybe it was was later, but. And wait, how did he do it? Just ripped it out with his claws. Uh Uh-huh. Also, 
Ow. Ow. Have you ever had an IUD? Uh-uh. I had one. And I had it removed. And I cannot subscribe to that. I've heard it's, like, atrocious to have it. Yeah. And he just ripped it on out. Why was he so fucking mad? I don't know. But, so, I probably... Sh- probably got it without him knowing yeah probably like, because she had an iud yeah she's like i don't want any more children and then he was not happy that's what i assume probably so she left him and they divorced and he actually lived a quiet life for about five years and kind of yeah just try to be better but of course his daughter fell in love and he didn't approve of the man of course so the night before the wedding he went and shot the soon-to-be groom how the fuck does he use a gun? I, there's a lot of things. Like <laughs> There's a lot of F-bombs in this episode, I think. I think so. But again, somehow I made it happen. I don't know. He he makes the world. I just... Like, do, do. I don't know. I don't know. So he was actually very happy with himself with this one. And he gladly confessed to the crime. And he was found guilty of it, of course. However, his health was beginning to fail. Because not only was he an avid drinker, he actually also smoked like a chimney. So he had cirrhosis and emphysema and claw hands. So they were very concerned that he wouldn't get the correct medical treatment in jail. So they gave him 15 years of probation and house arrest. Oh, that seems like the right thing to do. Totally. It's It's fine. And he lived in good old Gibsontown, Florida. Oh, of course he lived in Florida. Yep, Florida. So actually, the OG Florida man. The OG. So Gibsontown, Florida, which is called Showtown, USA. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't either. But uh, it's where a bunch of the circus performers lives in the off season. Oh, actually, I did know that. Yeah. Showtown, USA. Yeah. I didn't. I don't think I knew it was called Showtown, USA, though. Yeah. Well, but I did know about the off season circus performers. Yep. So because I think that was a thing for I don't know if it still is, but for a long time. Should try to go visit then. If it yeah. Is still a thing. Should go. So he actually did stop drinking for a little while because he was like, oh, all right, maybe I'll be, I have cirrhosis and I'm dying. Um, But, and then he remarried his first wife. So Mary came back because she saw the change in him. But of course, it's not going to last long. Uh, He became very cocky and he started to threaten everyone saying he would kill them. And since he already got away with it, he would get away with it again. Well, yeah. Yeah, because they're not going to send him to jail. And so he started drinking more and more and just became more abusive. And so Mary basically just had enough of it. And in 1992, she and her son hired her neighbor $1,500 to kill him. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So Wyant was the neighbor, and he shot Grady in the head while he watched TV. But the son, Grady Styles III, disputes the claim, saying that Teresa had him murdered, or disputes the claim that he, they had him murdered. They say that his stepmother, Teresa, and father were arguing, and Teresa said, something needs to be done. So his son overheard this and went to talk to the neighbor, and the neighbor came over and shot him. Oh. So, yeah. Either way. The neighbor came and shot him. Yeah. Yeah. So Wyatt was sentenced to 27 years in prison, and Mary was sentenced to 12 years. Just, like, awful because it's like she's the one being abused and then it's like exactly this guy's the one that's like fucking a murderer and he just gets to sit at home and drink and be on house arrest like real rough rough life he lives there so after his death his people's reactions were split some said he was a kind man and then others agreed that he was just an angry alcoholic i mean 
as the it's usually the way that it goes no one can ever agree agree right yeah and and people have different experiences with people and i feel like sometimes people don't want to talk ill of the dead so they're like He's a fine man. Listen, if you're an asshole, you're an asshole dead yeah. or alive. Yeah, that's true. It's I agree. But, you know, <laughs> I get it. I get it. But so, of course, like with his unique well, human body, he became famous for who he was. Um, and he was included. He's been used for books, music and TV shows. Some examples include Fred Rosen, who wrote a book uh, called Lobster Boy, The Bizarre Life and Brutal Death of Grady Siles Jr., E made a true Hollywood story, and it's called The Murder of Lobster Boy. Oh. A&E Network made a City Confidential episode called Gibson Town, The Last Sideshow. Huh. Which I would be very interested yeah, to watch that that's one. interesting. He appears on the CD cover for Silver Chair's Freak Show. Do you know who that is? No idea. No clue, but it's fine. Uh, he appears in a Deadpool comic. Okay. Where he, Deadpool tries to go kill him, but he's saved by some angels. And in the end, he's mean to two freaks, and Deadpool then kills him. So it's actually kind of like the story, but then yeah. also it's it's kind of funny. So they use his story, but like Deadpool okay. way. That's weird. All right, Deadpool. Deadpool. You do you. Yeah. I mean, you've seen the movie. You need to yeah. see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And so... Finally, going back to the theme, he actually was on the freak show for American Horror Story. And they at the beginning, the episodes, the credits show a statue of Styles. So he, All right. he actually is in American yeah. Horror Story. I like vaguely recall something about him. I like now want to watch it. it so I can be like, oh, yeah, I know right. him. Grady Styles. I guess I know what we're both binge watching next. Our uh, respective seasons of American Horror Story. Yes. I think this was an inspired idea for a theme. I, I liked it. It was very interesting and I'm going to go down some more rabbit holes, I'm sure. Exactly. Well, well that's it. That's it. That's it. Okay, guys. All this right. was a short one. Yeah. Okay. Good time as usual. Yeah. We enjoyed hanging out with you. Hope you enjoyed hanging out with us. If you did, give us five stars. Um, email us. Yeah. Email at bangbangcult. Yep, that's com. it. Bangbangcult. <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, we're on the Facebook, the, the IG, the Instagram. Yeah. Bangbangcult. And yeah, that's it. Um, Until we'll see you next, next time. Okay. Bye. bye.